eaters and healers, gamers and claimers, ladies and gentlemen from around the universe, from around the globe, from around the community, welcome to the Power, Purpose and Passion podcast. I am your host, Anthony Cheem, speaker, life coach, author, trainer, musician, singer, songwriter, friend, podcast host, ready to give to you the best of what I've learned and earned in this beautiful industry of self-help, spiritual spiritual fitness, emotional fitness, physical fitness, whatever it may be. I just wanted to learn it, earn it, and then return it to you in care and compassion and love for you so you can claim your power, clarify your purpose, cultivate your deepest, widest, and highest passions possible so you can live the best life. And then ultimately what you've learned and earned, then you then can take it to the next level of fulfillment and joy because that's the ultimate fulfillment and joy is then to take what you've learned and returned in your life, in your experience, to give to the rest of the world in contribution because that's where the ultimate fulfillment comes from. Whether you are listening to this live in your home, at work, wherever you are, or passively on your working out or driving home, whatever it is, thank you for joining us. It's an absolute pleasure and a privilege to have you join us and to learn some great ideas, insights, to claim your power, clarify your purpose, and cultivate your deepest, widest, and highest passions possible. So thank you for joining us. Cameron, what's going on? I'm excited about the show today because we have another amazing guest and uh, before we get into it, let's let's see how you're doing there, Cam. What's going on? Doing very well. I yeah. appreciate that intro. Uh, that was probably the most words you've said in in two minutes. That was amazing. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, yeah, very much looking forward to this episode. I uh, just want to tell everybody if they yes. missed the last episode with Al, you got to go check that out on Spotify, on Apple Music, or Apple Podcasts, on YouTube, whatever. Because uh, I assume they're going to be basically segueing from what they were talking about then to this new topic oh, now. So yes, and and absolutely. they go off. So get ready; it's going to be great. <laughs> well, look, look, guys, we're going to have you know this is the vision for this podcast is to have more guests in various fields, expertise from psychology to spirituality to peak performance to nutrition to physical fitness. Because let me tell you something: the new innovation, the future of this type of stuff is not coming from just being a master of one skill. It's about integrating a multitude of skills and habits and abilities and to literally become superhuman. And if if you are familiar with Tony Robbins' work or Ken Wilber's work, they all talk about integrating the human, not just the body and the mind, but spirit, talents, states of consciousness, all these things to become the best, absolute best version of yourself and to, and to no avail to actually become superhuman. That's no joke. So that's my goal is number one, to be a superhuman version of Anthony, whatever that means to me. And then to teach that superhuman is to express my superhuman abilities, love, care, my own talents, gifts, capacities, potentialities to the world. And then it inspires other people to do that. And then you turn inspiration into what is called conspiration or to conspire together where multiple people are inspired to work together to conspire means to actually breathe together. And that's why we're having different guests and expert, uh, different people from various fields come on so we can conspire together, share ideas and amplify the whole field of consciousness, vibration, success, fulfillment, and joy in this world. Cause that's what it's all about. I truly believe that expressing who you are, living the best life, and then sharing the best life to others around you, inspiring to do this, them to do the same. So, um, this t- today's particular episode title is entitled how to turn calamities into opportunities. And what I love about this particular subject matter in all of my coaching, whether it be one-on-one or families or in seminar settings, it's all about 
being able to reframe or convert your calamities into opportunities. It was Winston Churchill, I think it was Winston Churchill who said this, that said, an optimist or a pessimist turns every opportunity into a calamity, an optimist turns a calamity into an opportunity. That sounds nice and everything, but how do you do that? And that is, this is how we're going to precisely dissect and dive into how can we do it mentally, physically, emotionally, integrate our whole selves so that we can turn those calamities into opportunities. Because let's face it, when we're faced with a struggle or a calamity and we are in a state of duress or stress or fear, anxiety, the the first thing we want to do is either fight, flight, freeze, or feign which is the new one, apparently, apparently the new study thing is the fourth F, uh, to faint, to literally just give up. There are other options, and this particular episode is all about that. So before we actually get started on that particular object, uh, subject matter, I want to introduce our, our guest. He's been on the show before, and just like Cam said, if you, if you missed that particular interview with, with Al McBride, let me tell you something, it was, he gave tremendous value. And before, I, if you didn't listen to that, let me give you a biography of what his credentials are because he's an amazing human being. Um, he is, oh, sorry, he's a coach, facilitator, and trainer and has started numerous small businesses. He's a regular guest lecturer in cognitive behavioral coaching in the master's in coaching program at University College Cork in Ireland. He's also facilitated in post-grad courses in entrepreneurship and innovation in University College Dublin. He's a coach to executives and to business owners across an array of industries like software, law, aviation, telecoms, corporate finance, to name a few. His philosophy is he believes clarity in thought leads to clarity in communication. Over the past few years, he's been giving his clients the psychological edge in negotiation and has a new program out called Goliath Negotiation Method. Please Give a warm welcome and help me introduce to you Al McBride. What's going on there, Al? Are you there, man? I'm here. I'm What's here. <laughs> What's <Absolutely>. up, man? <laughs> How you doing? Great to see you again. Thank you again for such a great introduction. We, we, uh, I think we raised the bar last time, so we have quite something to live up to. We got, a, I got an awful lot of very good feedback back on that, uh, back in that interview, back in that conversation. So. Yeah, we will endeavor to do our best to do something similar today. Great, man. Well, I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule, and you're, you are in Ireland. Um, but man, I've known you, and here's another thing from a personal point of view: I've known you since meeting you in the, in the Robbins Madonna's training coaching certification many program many years ago. Many years right. ago. And let me tell you something: you've taught me so much. You've get, you've taught me a different angles of how to look at things, how to look at my own problems, personal, professional, whatever it is. And you've helped me just expand my my delivery my ability to think things through uh so you i the fact that you're on the show and bringing so much value to our our listeners man i'm telling you the people are going to just be so so expanded and upgraded uh, as a result of you have being on the show so thank you well you're very kind to invite me back uh i'm glad to be a regular guest on you oh man show. we're gonna have you on all the time man <laughs> Look, as you well know man it's been a two-way street yeah. um for every bit of value i've given you i think you've given me twice as much back anyway. so, so <laughs> oh, it's very much pleasure, a two-way straight in that so much appreciated you know good good so let's go let's let's fire right into this dive right into it let's start how do we turn calamities it, into opportunities it's, it's such a good question because as you say it sounds like a great idea and it's one of these great cliches you know what's that cliche that you know that is it in chinese that the, the symbol for 
disaster is opportunity or yes you know yeah, yeah. you hear this kind of stuff yeah and people kind of get very cynical about it and they're like oh yeah whatever yeah but as you say that's all very well but how do you do it well the first yes. thing that i'd usually say to people is the very first thing you're going to do is get out of reaction so when something hits you now mm. we're, we're talking kind of broad strokes here about like a calamity so a calamity, this is the other thing that it's all personal isn't it so a mm. calamity for one person is just an irritation or annoyance to Love someone it. else yeah, and and then somebody else is like, "This is awesome! Bring it on!" You know, I'm here to challenge. Right? So, very good, so very good. First of all, it is. It, it depends on the individual and how how their mindset is set up mm-hmm. uh, to do with the whatever one might call it, a calamity. But yeah, that said, you know, the first thing you got to do is get out of reaction. So how okay. do you do that? Because first thing, life hits you, doesn't it? You know, yeah, and, and you're left reeling. Yes, and it's that question of okay. So you've been hit. How fast are you going to get back up again? How fast are you going to get back in control? And yes. this is the first question. So usually what I say to clients, one of those little things that comes up a lot is to ask the question. Yes. Where do I have choice here? Where do I have control? Because once you realize you have a choice, even one, then you start by definition, because you have choice, you have an element of control. Well and once done. you have control, then you have more choice. And so you're clawing back that yes. sense of, not just being in reaction, but actually yeah. actually being proactive. Being and, and I know some people find, you know, oh, proactive is like, oh. But yeah. active is just sort of you're doing stuff. Proactive, there's that bit more awareness of the choice that you're making and more uh, assertive or even aggressive movement towards yes. something. Yes. Usually trying to improve your situation. So with calamity, the first thing I'd say is, yeah. just like you said, transform a calamity into an opportunity. Yeah. That's the first thing. Mind your language. Yes. What words are you using to encode the meaning of the situation to yourself? So yes. as I usually say to people, the first thing is like, get that little bit of objectivity. What words am I using here? Is this a disaster? Is this a calamity? Yes. Or are you starting to go, as I used to say, problem? Yeah. What does a problem imply? A problem yes. implies something that's unpleasant. Nobody chooses problems, right? Yes, of course. But then you suddenly say, well, could the same thing be called a challenge? And suddenly, mm. oh, yeah, people choose challenges or, or they're foisted upon them. That's fine. Yes. But they choose them too, don't they? So suddenly yes. there's also – what else does it imply? It usually some people would say it implies an area, a, a, an opportunity for growth, which is the big one Very of the challenge, good. isn't it? Like, mm-hmm. okay, if someone can put a gun to your head and say you've got to run a 10K, you've got to run the marathon, right? That's yes. a problem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Somebody says, "Hey, I'll tell you what. I, I why don't you run a marathon for charity? We're all doing it. You know, it's part of a, a group yeah. of us doing it. Whatever." Then suddenly yeah. it's a challenge. People, it's yes. tough. It's still the same marathon, but hey, suddenly yeah. it's actually an element of choice in there, and Very you're good. more in control. So the first yes. thing I'd say is, be beware your language, mind your language, as your yes. mother used to say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? And from there, then, as I said, even with the words that you're choosing, what do the words actually imply? Because there's always the implication of meaning. And okay, like loads of people have different, vague, different sort of uh, feeling for what different words actually mean compared to other people. But there's still that kind of overall shared definition stuff. So, for example, uh, I, I work with a lot of people doing communication and presentation skills. They want to want to present very well. You yes. Know, sort of thing. And, and so we we talk about nerves. And the yeah. first thing I say, well, are you nervous or are you anxious? Oh, very good. They say, oh, well, actually, because I because often they say, oh, I'm really anxious about the speech or something. And I say, well, are you nervous or are you anxious? And they go, well, mm. actually, uh, I, I'm kind of in the middle. 
if it's spectrum and anxious for me is like an eight nine ten mm-hmm. of intensity and nerves are more than <clears throat> up to maybe a five you know yes so where are you on zero to ten and they go well actually i think you're right i think i'm actually a six so maybe i'm not so anxious maybe i'm more nervous and yes. suddenly even just putting having to put a number on it has objectified and created that little bit of space where you're going, oh, that's interesting. You know, it's almost that mindful awareness. Yes, yes. Seeing your own state, seeing your mental state, seeing your own emotional state, and sort of going, well, hold on. That's a good question, Al. You know, am I actually, no, you're right. I'm not really anxious. I'm actually more quite nervous. But even just that objectivity, they're feeling more control over already. Yeah. So that's the first thing. Mind your language, then start and put numbers on it. Very good, very good. Uh, And from there, as I said, you can move problem to challenge which we talked about already yes. yeah. and i always find that when people move to a challenge and they start getting comfortable yeah okay so this is a challenge i haven't chosen this you know crappy situation but i gotta deal with it i'm right yes. here i'm gonna deal with it yeah. and you're starting to see some of your options you're starting to get back in your control back in your in your power of what you can actually sure do. sure then you can start saying well where's the opportunity here because yeah. when you go for a lot of people, I find it's often a bigger leap to go from problem to opportunity because they're like, oh, no, man, this is terrible. They're still in that reactive mode, and it seems too much of a leap. But you, you, I, I tend to find when you, when you introduce that middle step, that middle step then suddenly allows them to get comfortable with the idea of the yeah. challenge. They start to grasp it back, and then suddenly the opportunity is enough. It's like, oh, yeah, where is this opportunity? Yeah. And talking about opportunity, yes. this is where I usually start to bring in values. Okay, good. So what do you actually stand for? So instead of something that's a calamity, that's some sort of crap that you have to get through and get things yes. to be got through yes, or yes. suffered through, oh, yes. you just do, and that's yeah. fine, right? Yeah. But when you start going, where's the opportunity here? Maybe it's an opportunity that, you know, I don't know what sort of calamities we're talking about here. Yeah. Think, but even yeah. horrible, horrible, horrible things like bereavement. Yes. What's the opportunity here? And people go, that's so cold, man. It's like, no, no, no. What values do you get to live? And it's like, oh, good. okay. Great I, question. I get, if, if I'm, if I say I'm all about, if I'm about love for family and friendship, well, then maybe that's the value you get to express. That's where you get to double down. Then instead of leaning away from friends and family at a horrible time, sure. you lean in. Sure. That you, you're able to give that support to others. That that's you living your value. That's you yes. taking back control. That's you. Yes. Do you know what I mean? So it's one hundred percent. Yes. It's about living those values. So it's the same of. If you like, if maybe I don't know, resilience is is or, or some of perseverance, for example. Yes. Some people yes. might use perseverance. Yes. So, okay, well, this maybe is an opportunity for you to discover new ways to to yes. persevere through this. Yeah. Know? Excellent. And, now, and, yeah, go okay, continue. Continue. No, tell me, tell me. Tell yeah. Me. So I was gonna, I, I, no, no, I, no. That's good. I want. I want. I, want, there, I'm, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I'm feeling your energy. That's amazing. So okay. So if it's all about creating the space, ask yourself yes. questions, uh, having that awareness. What would you recommend in terms of helping someone develop that awareness? develop that strength ahead of time to prepare yeah. themselves for the event that a Absolutely. calamity will actually happen. Cause they, they inevitably happen problems. Absolutely. Often, of course, they will happen. It's, so, it's, it's guaranteed. It's yes. guaranteed. Oh, guaranteed. You know, yeah. Uh, you know, life's going to throw some stuff at you. However, well, you don't think it will be. And as you say, it's great to prepare so that you, so that you can get out of reaction that bit faster. Yes. I'd say yes. the first thing is to be really clear on what a lot of, uh, uh coaches and psychologists are called the locus of control yes and this idea of the locus of control is basically 
that overall someone with an internal locus of control will say, hey, overall, mm-hmm. I have more control over my destiny, my trajectory in life due to my choices and behaviors. Yes. And someone with what's called an external locus of control where they say generally other factors, whether it's fate and more yes. in the 21st century, that is yeah. for most people, it's more so uh, other people yes. have yes. more influence over my trajectory in life than I do. Yeah. Now, this changes in different areas, of course, because, you know, when you're in school, like you have to go to school, you don't have a choice. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, your locus yeah. of control, as goes where you go every day, is pretty yes. low. You yeah. don't have that control, right? But it, it's being aware of where you do have the control, because one of the traps people fall in and get themselves really worked up and upset is because they're trying to control a whole lot of things they can't really control. Amen. Yep. So it's being moving that focus to, okay, I can't really control this, I can't really control that. Where can I control? And as I said, it's asking, where do I have a choice? So maybe you have a choice of how you want to show up at your job or at your university course or whatever. How full all in you want to be. You get to decide what kind of a son or daughter or a parent or a friend or whatever or boss that you want to turn up to be. So maybe there's loads of things, as I said, that you're you're channeled into from uh, other people pushing you in that way or as i said that you've actually chosen earlier and this is the path that you're walking but even within that it's asking what where where can i control so it's like people who get upset with the weather yeah it's like (laughs) there's a scottish comedian billy Connolly used to say you know there's no such thing as there's no such thing as bad weather just the wrong choice of clothes yeah (laughs) very good he might think differently if he lived in canada right yeah definitely (laughs) but you hear what i'm saying is that you know you, yeah. you, you, you. Where do you have choice? Where do you have control? And it's like yes. that, uh, that Buddhist idea. What are the? I think it's called the vinegar eaters. You know, where there's a little picture from like a thousand years ago. Okay, yes. Three Buddhist monks, and yeah. two of them are wincing, drinking yes. the vinegar, yeah. and one of them smiling. And why yeah. is he smiling? Because vinegar is meant to taste like that. Yes. <laughs> this idea of Very acceptance, good. but it's also accepting of how things are, with the awareness of where you have control to change things and where you don't. Yes. You know, I, love I love that. I love that. That's then you huge. Can, you can expand it out further. You can expand it out further by yeah. saying, hey, okay, so if I have control here, maybe you don't have control. Maybe in most of life, you just have influence. Is it high influence or is it low influence? And that's where you then get into, as I said, that's what I usually do with a lot of my negotiation clients is realizing really clearly, okay, I have control over here, control over that, control over this. Fantastic. But I have influence here. Yes. high medium or low and it's working okay. out and not being frustrated yes. because as i said people are trying to control or get frustrated with stuff that they don't have control of like the weather or something yes. yeah i'm not happy when it's raining into my face necessarily yes. but you kind of go i'm in a rainstorm you might this is awesome yeah like, this is awesome man. that's you exactly and you, it. particularly look if you're going to a nice warm home then it makes you grateful to be in a nice warm home yeah 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 right so that's what we're talking about, locus yeah. of control. I love that. I love that. And you know what? You, you, you make a tremendous point in terms of language patterns because language patterns is a gateway to meaning. And, and often, oftentimes people use terrible language and the worst language they use is metaphors. Like I was coaching a client the other day and they were talking about how the, their life is like a gerbil running on a hamster wheel. And to break her pattern, I basically said to her, so I want you to do this. Close your eyes for me. And I want you to imagine there's a gerbil running on a hamster wheel in a cage. I want you to take, I want you to take the gerbil out, put it in your hand, start petting it. <laughs> 
It's all right. And then smash the wheel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, just, I said, just feel, feel how cute the softness. Of, and all of a sudden, her state changed. So, so just using people's metaphors. Oftentimes, people use metaphors that either, e- either, either make their life either better or worse. So you could say, I'm so in love with you uh, that I could, like, the heavens are just percolating through my body. Like that could make feeling in love that much more intense. But I hate this person so much I could kill them. So that makes the hate even more intense, right? You get what I mean? So, but the language exactly. patterns play a huge role in that. And I even did this, I do this with clients as well. Well, I often ask them when they tell me they, their language patterns are all, I'm depressed, I'm not feeling good, I'm sad all the time. I, and I often say to them just to break it, just like you. I'll ask questions like, are you depressed or are you just bored with life? And they'll and go, that's, that's a really good point. How often right? is depression actually just boredom? Boredom. Yeah, exactly. And you, you see their head kind of go, the NLP eye technique and their, like, their, oh, their left yeah. eye will go, right, right. And they'll kind of, kind of look, look creative and they'll go, actually, you know what? I go, are you being challenged right now? I'm talking about really challenged. Like I'm talking about physically, mentally, emotionally, where you're pushing yourself to be the best version. And they're like, no, I guess I'm not. And then all of a sudden, it'll totally break their pattern. And all of a sudden, they'll turn this calamity or this problem of depression, yeah. reframe it, and then bang. Like it'll, just, it'll, it'll change everything. That, that, that reframing is key. I mean, this is what we're talking about with the reframe. That when, you know, when we're asking questions, we're moving the point of focus where, yes. oh, I'm depressed, blah, blah, blah. And then suddenly, well, are you just bored? And suddenly, boredom. It's like, well, you can relieve boredom. Yes. It's like, where is the control there? You know, it implies, yes. oh, you can do stuff that's not boring, which yeah. is, you know. Yes. There's so much at our fingertips that we can do now, right? So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this, this makes it makes a huge difference. Uh, but it it is exactly this. This is the other problem that, uh, as I said, with the emotional resonance, the problem yes. with an awful lot of these things, particularly when people are angry, yeah, or even depressed, is that there's a drama, there's a significance there. It's a negative yes. significance, but there's still yes. a significance. You know, mm-hmm. what you you get to feel strong and powerful when you're angry. You know, yes, and it's yes. like uh, as we used to talk about the crazy eight patterns. Yes, people, and one of the common ones, of course, it, being an eight, they spend more time, maybe two thirds time or four fifths of the time down one end, and it's very very regular to be down that depressed end or really yes. down. And then you get yeah. bored, literally, yes. of feeling depressed. So you get angry yes. and you're going to do <laughs> yeah. And then things don't work out quickly enough, you yes. know, so that yes. then you fall back and, oh, well, this is pointless. And you fall back into, yeah. The, yeah. into the depression. But it is this that at least you get a change of state, that, that yes. that's interesting, that, yes. that it feels better yes. than just being yes. depressed. So yeah. this is one of the things we have to be aware of and be honest with ourselves are we actually enjoying yes. the, the state that's not how it's serving healthy? us right yeah that's yeah and, okay it's at a low level yes and it, you go oh i don't want to feel like this anymore yeah but it's meeting some of those needs you know yes it, it, there's a bit of variety you know connection and, and love oh, right and don't forget like depression is horrible of course it is but as you said gradient down like if you've yeah. met like a clinically depressed person yeah that is different from feeling blue. You yes, know what I mean? You, 100%. If you've met them, it, it's unnerving because 100%. it's like the personality has been scooped out and there's yes. just a cell looking yeah. at you. And you. You put them on a, a scan, like a, a neurological scan, and literally their brain activity is down 40 to 60 or eight, even 80%. Percent. Yep. 
Yeah. It's unbelievable. So yeah. anyway, so it's just this measure, kind of measure. Yeah. It's not to lessen your own suffering. It's not to no. lessen the the impact of whatever calamity it is you're dealing with. We're going back to calamity. Yeah. But, but it is, it's not to lessen that, but it is to put it in context and yeah. put you in a context where you, yes. as I said, going back to the start, have an element of control, have an element of choice. That's where you yes. get to claw it back. Yes. And what we're really talking about too, Al, I think at, at his base is shifting the meaning of that experience from something that's, Absolutely. as you said, shifting it from being a calamity to a problem, to a challenge, to an opportunity and, and shifting your mindset focus from something that's bad. That could actually something that's a gift or something that could be brought, brought value to life. A friend of mine who's a psychotherapist, she's always talked about the gift of a crisis, the gift that's of a crisis. Crazy. And she always, and it, it kind of sounds paradoxical, but then you go, wait a second. You're right. If you look at all the crises that ever happened in my life, and I go, I look back and go, the three biggest crises in my life became the best growth stage of my life ever. Absolutely. It's mentally, I mean, spiritually. They now have a term for it the last 10, 20 years, they, yeah. you know, post-traumatic growth syndrome. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. What's fascinating with that is that people go, oh, I haven't heard of that because everyone's heard of post-traumatic stress. Yes. But people haven't heard of post-traumatic I'm glad you're bringing so, that up. So few have yeah. post-traumatic growth, you know. Yes. And, and, and even just hearing, oh, well, you yeah, thought it's possible. Of course it is. Yeah. And that yeah. just as you say, then you hear all that kind of Nietzsche and stuff, you know, yeah. what doesn't kill me only makes me stronger. And again, some of that can sound a bit trite, can sound yeah. a bit glib. Yeah. But when you then go, hold on, let's take that as uh, a rule of thumb yes for a living yes maybe then and live like, well, by how it. Yeah. how can this make me stronger it makes you, you you create that default mindset so that you're able to get out of that reaction we talked about much of faster. course of course but the other element of that is, is self-blame mm. that an awful lot of people are practicing self-esteem and all this sort of stuff that we're meant to be teaching our kids self-esteem and yeah. oh you're yeah. you great and all this sort yeah. of stuff Whereas yeah. in actual fact, that's terrible. Mm, yeah. <laughs> self-esteem is awful because it's self-esteem is usually extrinsic motivated or extrinsic yes. focused. Oh, I feel good how I compare with others, how, yes. you know, that I'm earning as much as my peers or that yes. I've got this degree or that all this sort of crap. That when it, it's fine when things are going great, but when things are going badly, suddenly self-esteem, oh, I don't compare well to these yes. people. I don't compare compare well to the version of me that I think I should be or have yeah. to be and all this sort of stuff. And as you say, these calamities can then be overwhelming because it's what does it mean? Oh, it means I'm not good at this. It means I'm not that sort of person I was. Yeah. Yeah. And it's harder to get out of it. Whereas mm. practicing the idea of self-compassion is yeah. huge. And people go, oh, you know, but I don't want to lose my edge. And it's, like, it's not about being soft on yourself. Mm-hmm. It's about being that idea of what would a really good friend do? Just like you mentioned uh, about, you know, what was it you're saying about your wife was able to stroke the ego and poke and, the ego first? Well, yeah, yeah, the, the, yeah, the, yeah, the person, you're, you're the best person that can actually stroke your ego is your wife or your significant other, but they can also poke your ego and say, exactly. let's bring you a few notches, few notches down. Right. right back yeah. when you need it, right? <laughs> right? But that's what I'm talking about with self-compassion. But yeah. uh, hopefully your partner or your best friend or your sibling yeah. that you're most close to or whatever, yeah. think of that. That's the kind of person you need to be with yourself so that yeah. you can give yourself credit when credit is due and say yeah. the equivalent of putting an armor is, you know what? You you're, yeah. think you're being too hard on yourself here. You did that really well. These things happen. You're dealing with it quite well. You know, yeah. give yourself a break. That's what yes. human compassion is. It's, yes. it's that idea of, but 
It can also go, but get your ass back up and get back in gear and stop feeling sorry yes, for yourself. Yes. You know, but you have to say that. You have to, you know, play that role of your best. I used to, you know, loosely yeah. say your best yeah. friend. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. You know about your best friend. My yeah. best friend kick my ass. Get yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and, and the one thing. Yeah, yeah. Would also continue. give that credit, you know, would say, hold yeah. on. You've had a tough time. You're yeah. dealing with it really well. Give yourself a break, you know. It's not balance. Yes. And I think you may also, too, I want to add to this uh, an extra flavor to con- to this recipe of turning calamities and opportunities is this idea that when you're actually talking to yourself, to not think it in your head, to speak it out loud. Because you you actually yes. re- you referenced that one thing that that psychology, psychological teacher <laughs> did with the bear, with the bear. You, why don't you tell us that story? Okay, you know I how no, something something along the lines of how this famous teacher, psychological teacher, was getting a lot of students wanting to come to him for advice. Oh yes, sorry. So, yes, can, of course. Can, yeah. can, can, can you so reference that? Can yeah, you reference me, that? I, I just call it. I, I I can't remember where I read it. I read yeah. it. You know, when you're reading so many books, you hear all these mm-hmm. stories and go, "I love the story," but you forget where you, you heard it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, if somebody spots the story, please do. You know. Yeah make a note and tell yeah. me where I read it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sure it's popped up a few times. It was, it was a professor, I think, in MIT or something yeah. like this. Uh, and, you know, he was tired of all of these student hours, all these queues of students asking him questions. Uh, and he's just like, oh, come on, like, you know, stop getting me to do a lot of the thinking for you. It's like, yeah. I don't mind helping people, but come on. So he said, okay, his daughter had given him this little teddy bear, like with a professor, you know, with a yeah. mortarboard or whatever the, the, yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. thing, you know, when you graduate. And so he said, okay, I know what he's going to do. So he went to his secretary outside his office and he said, okay, any student comes to me, they can see me, but first they have to explain their problem to Professor Ted here on your desk. And the lady goes, and the, 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 the secretary says, what? You want, you want them to explain to the teddy bear? I said, yep. Yeah. I said, okay, fine. Whatever, let's try it, you know. So students come in, cut his hours by like 60% of student contact time. Mm-hmm. Why? Because they would, of course, say, so the secretary says, you got to explain it to Ted. you got to explain it to the teddy bear. Yeah. And they're like, oh, I don't explain. explain it to the teddy bear. Otherwise, you don't get to talk to the professor. So, okay, fine. So they go, okay, there's only two ways to do this. And I've tried this. And I've said, oh, hold on. Maybe there's another one. <laughs> and then suddenly, oh, thanks, Ted. And then, you know, yeah, off yeah, they yeah, go. Yeah. And so Ted is getting a huge amount of credit for all this. Yes. And the, the reason being for that, and it's interesting you mentioned about enunciating it out loud. Yes. Because when you this is why you know an awful lot of you know the most traditional or the first forms of therapy psychoanalysis one the animals hardly say anything at all mm-hmm. they say virtually nothing and the whole point yes. is that the person just has to sit and talk stream of consciousness yes. wise but it means that when they're when it's out they hear it and it's processed through their brain in a totally different way than if you just think it yes so it's right. as if somebody else has said it Yes. This is if you're hearing somebody else's voice, right? Yes. So that externalization and then re-internalization mm-hmm. can often give you a whole new perspectives on what you're hearing because it's as if yeah. you, you're hearing it from someone else. It's as yeah. if you're hearing a third party. Yeah. And it can save you a fortune in therapy as well. Oh, and, and here's the other thing too. <laughs> what, what, what it does is too, it actually, it's a good gateway to open up to preparing you to condition your body and mind that when calamities do show up, you mm-hmm. are at a stronger conditioned state. And this is what I learned from obviously Tony Robbins is conditioning yourself to be in more powerful states so that when the problems come, you're at the top of Mount Everest rather than at the bottom of Mount Everest. So you're looking down at your calamity going, oh yeah, I'm feeling strong. I can, I can 
handle that in tall order because I'm in a peak state as opposed to waking up going, oh, I'm tired. And then the very first calamity or very first problem shows up and you're like, you're at the bottom of Mount Everest looking up at this problem that looks like the size of Mount Everest. So you're viewing it from a low state. So that that is a very, very important strategy too that I find for me personally and in my clients. What about yourself? Do you find yourself preparing yourself, having morning rituals to to handle those stresses on a daily basis? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, the morning ritual thing is something that's become quite popular in the last, what, five or 10 years, you know? Mm-hmm. Particularly, you know, that one of, isn't it Tim Ferriss's favorite questions? It was a morning routine, morning routine. Yeah. But I think, I think it makes a huge difference. I, I mean, I notice days where I'm more reactive to things popping up and irritating me yeah. When I haven't even done the, the, the 10 minutes of the, the headspace meditation, yes. that kind of stuff. Yes. Or when I haven't done some of that setting, setting, consciously setting who it is that I want, which owl I want to turn up today. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. when you set that sort of stuff, it means you have something to compare it to. It means that mm-hmm. there's something that there's like a driving force there, you know, yes, rather than yes. just floating. Yeah. Because when you're just floating, then by definition stuff comes up and you're reacting to it yeah. so one of the things for example and this is a parallel of the morning routine uh i mean i normally just to answer your question i normally yeah when i wake up before i get out of bed i'm trying to think okay who, who which owl is turning up today okay yeah. good. and you're constantly choosing okay i'm trying to be trying to be helpful i'm going to try and be focused i'm going to do this i'm going to do that not try i don't like the word try I'm just yeah. going to be yeah. this going to be that then usually i do i usually start the day with just Again, setting setting out your stall for the day. So you start with okay, people. Some people again hear the cliche of being grateful and gratitude. Yes, and stuff. I like to think about it being aware of your assets. Think yes. of it that way. Yeah. So if you start the day where you're looking at lack, you're looking at where you where things are missing. You're looking at you're literally starting in a negative, unhelpful, unconstructive frame. Whereas when you start and go. Oh, I'm grateful for, and, and you, and it. Okay, it's not an intellectual exercise; it's an emotional yes. exercise. That's so tap the into the actual yes. thing. The of, emotion. Yeah. Oh my God! Isn't it so great that I have my partner? Oh my God! Isn't it so great that this work has arrived, and I really enjoy working with this client or that client or that company or whatever. And one of the ways you can tap into that emotional resonance is inversion. So you actually flip it. What yep. would it be like if this person wasn't here? Boom. And you yeah. kind of go, oh, a bit of a yeah. gut compunction. Yes, you know? like, yes, oh, yes. Right. So it's an emotional thing. And then suddenly you feel actually like, I, this is wealth. Yes. It's not, maybe it's not financial wealth, but it's wealth of relationships. It's wealth of opportunity. It's yes. wealth of whatever. Yes. And this then sets you up on that trajectory. So instead of, as you say, starting from the bottom of the mountain at the start of the day, yeah. you're starting halfway up the mountain. Yes, that's right? exactly Again, it. it's like all of the good stuff you have going on, no matter how bad things are, people mm. can usually name a few good things, or I'm glad it's not worse. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. That's and, right. And, and don't fall into the trap of thinking that things can never get worse, no matter how bad they are. People oh, can, yeah. You know, fake can find Well, that's the mind. Worse. That's the, yeah, that's the mind of the addict, too, who says they, they, they never really have a rock bottom. There's always a worse bottom, right? So, but, the, but, but I think, exactly. I think. Yeah, and I, and I think what what we're really really zeroing in on on this particular podcast of turning calamities and opportunities is this idea that there's an opportunity in every calamity. The question is, are you using your particular skills that you have access to, choices to start seeing these things 
And one Absolutely. of the ways to do that is change your language patterns, change your focus patterns, change your body, whatever it might be. And, and, and the whole game changes. And for the people out there, I can tell you right now, out of all the types of cognitive quotient, emotional quotient, there is something called the AQ, the adversity quotient. People that are able to look at adversity and go, where's the opportunity here? How can I make, how can I learn from this particular experience? Those are the people that are the most successful, fulfilled because they're able to step into their adversity and see, and, and pull diamonds or a gold mine from it. And as you said, with that training, it's also more and more automated. It's less and less of a struggle. Yes. And this is the key thing that an awful lot of people get themselves, as you were talking about fight and flight earlier, yep. you know, yes. fight, flight, feign, freeze, whatever. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but, but but again, that's in very much, that's in, as I said, the fight or flight stress response. Yeah. Yep. Whereas when you're in the other side, you're yeah. in the challenge response. Yes. Yes. And it's the evolutionarily, it's the difference between something hunting you and you're literally fighting or running for your life yes but maybe but again the stress response is at a low level of that but it's the same stuff that's happening it's mm. the same basically it's what we're talking about this locus of control idea that mm. people are basically saying oh overall i don't think i'm i can control this overall i'm out of control mm. i don't have Yes. Uh, this will not end well for me, right? Yeah. yeah <laughs> Whereas yeah. when you're in the challenge response, you're saying, this isn't easy. There's loads of balls in the air here. There's loads of uncertainty. But you know what? I think I can handle it. Yes. And that's the difference. I think I can handle it versus I don't think I can handle it. Yeah. Yeah. And it changes the the the, the entire stress response because, as you're saying, when you have the fight or flight, the blood drains away from your prefrontal cortex where actually your human brain, where you're able yes. to plan and you're able to have insight and you're able to wisdom, also yep. future project yep. and look and reflect back on past yes. experiences, yes. right? So that's huge. Think about that. The blood drains away. It's like when you meet someone and you're really nervous, that's yep. where you think, actually, I'm a bit out of control. Your blood drains away. You know, the classic teenage idea of asking someone out on a date or something. Yes. That's exactly the thing where yes, you're exactly. so vulnerable, you're nervous, right? Yes, blood yes. drains away from the brain and you're like, oh, you not even, can't even use yeah. language, right? Yes. Okay? Yeah. It's, it's that sort of example. Whereas when you're in the challenge response, the blood, this is the difference, the blood, your veins, your arteries stay supple, whereas yes. in fight or flight, they tighten in case yes. you get cut, you're less likely to bleed out. Like yeah. amazing stuff. Right? Yes. Yeah. But fight or flight, think about running for your life versus running for your dinner. Challenge yes. response is when you're the hunter, you're the, yeah. effectively you're able to run and you're able to plan and be strategic yes. usually. If you think in evolutionary terms, yes. humans weren't the strongest, yes, uh, but we were able to manage tools and we were able to use teamwork and strategy. Yeah, yeah. And this is how we've able to come to where we are today. But all mm. of it's from the challenge response. That idea Amen. that the blood stays in the prefrontal cortex. Like think about exercising. You running on a treadmill or you're sprinting yeah. down the street. Yeah. You're not in a relaxed state. No, no. You do, but you are in control. And that's yes. the difference. Yes, yes. And, so, that, and, that, and, that's, and that's huge what you say about their neurological patterns that happen when our prefrontal cortex is turned off and the wise mind is turned off. The conscious exactly. mind, which is basically not time bound, our amygdala is firing. Exactly. You're in fear, 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 or like red lights everywhere. Red light, and, you cannot, and you cannot think, you cannot, you cannot navigate through that. You're making bad decisions from that place, right? <laughs> which makes it even more, more important to actually condition yourself 
I'm to be sure. in that child in that in that challenging state, right? I mean, it, for for those just uh, who aren't sure of it, well, I mean, the amygdala is essentially like an amplifier. So well, mm-hmm. a lot of people think of it as, and we have one in each hemisphere, and one is just for threat, and yes. it just amplifies the emotional reaction yes. to threat. The other is half threat, half potential reward. Yes. So you've <laughs> you've three quarters that are just this little firing thing like crazy. Does. Is now this is again how we survive. So we're not yeah. just casual about a proper danger about yes, yes, yes. a tiger chasing us or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Day, right. But the problem is, oh, I have to give a talk. Yes. It fires at maybe yeah. four out of ten. <laughs> three out of ten. It's like, yeah, oh yeah, crap. Yeah. You know, you st- somebody asks you a question in a meeting, you know, yeah. who's you know, super high powered, and you're like, whoa, crap. Yes. And the blood drains, right? Just yes. when you don't need it. Yeah, you don't yeah, need yeah. it to happen. Right? Exactly. So Talking about calamity, we were talking about, you know, changing our focus by asking questions. Have I done this before? Will this matter in a year's time? What are the, how fast do we think this would most likely be resolved? All of these sort of questions. So we're starting to get that human brain, the human yes. uh, cognitive, most uh, planning, strategic, uh, and objective brain yeah. going, like, objectively. Yeah. yeah. How bad is this on a scale of one to ten? You know, yeah. all of this sort of stuff. But as you and you alluded to this earlier, the next one, particularly when the prefrontal cortex is going, you get nervous and the blood is draining out of there. Breathe, just yes. breathe, damn it! You're breathe. You're literally breathing yeah. that oxygen-rich blood back in to your most human thinking brain. That's wise get, mind, yep. Starting to get back in control. Yeah. You know? yeah. You know what's interesting is it's funny, which begs the question. I'm going off on a tangent here, and we got a few minutes left. But there's it begs a question of of highly advanced meditators who probably have trained their brain from a physical point of view, where that the amygdala they basically trained their amygdala not to fire anymore, and their their prefrontal cortex is basically running all the time. It's that story of you know Saint Francis walking through, and there's a bunch of rabid wolves, and then he, and then everyone's scared, and he just goes up to the wolf, touches the wolves on the head, and then they're calm. Or Mother Teresa walks walking through Calcutta, these rabid dogs, and no one wants to walk down that arena. And she brings up a, a level of peace and calmness and compassion and love. And she puts the hands on the dogs and they calm down. Or even Buddha, the, the, another story where this crazy elephant was run through the village and he was just sitting in this lotus position and it was about to trample the Buddha. And the Buddha just put his hand on it, on his trunk and it calmed down. So there's something to be said about meditation. And as you said, breathing, Usually. being mindful of breathing. And so those are other things like Preparing, breathing, meditation, mindfulness, yoga, tai chi, all these things can actually train your brain and your body to respond rather than react to calamities and be and, and tap into the wise mind as opposed to the amygdala firing off and that, and that being your exactly. center of focus. So, yeah. It's huge. Funnily enough, just to add to that and to do the earlier thing about morning routines, about, what, two years ago or so, I started doing, a lot of people now are aware Wim Hof Yes, off method with the breathing and the cold showers and all this. Uh, So I have cold showers every day, and I find it exactly that that your your body's going. What the hell are you doing? That water's cold. This will be highly unpleasant. Are you crazy? And then you're going. No, no, we're going to be fine. Yeah. Be fun. So it's, you're overriding yes. that reactive. Yeah, 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 yeah. I want comfort and warmth. <laughs> On you know that desire that's right there. Yeah. You're overriding going. We're going to be fine. You know, it's going to feel amazing when we're in there. Never mind yeah. afterwards. Yeah, 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 yeah. Get exactly. Your ass in there. And it's that idea of of that your human brain and your and your body and physiological mm. 
senses are going, are you crazy? And it's like one is going, no, no, we're in charge. You're going to be fine. Everything's going to be great. In you go. And it's that practice that lowers that ability to go, you know what? If I've done nothing else, I've done that one thing right today. Amen. Amen. And it's that, as you say, it's the conditioning that you, you can take that with you that, oh, I can yeah. do that. Maybe there's other difficult things I can do. Yes. You know, and it's taking yes. that perspective. Yes. Man, so amazing, it. dude. Amazing. <laughs> Which is why at the end of the day, you know, you look at Tony Robbins, Unleash the Power Within. He gets people to walk across the fire to train their brain. If I can walk across fire and I, I, I believe I could, now I did. What else can I do beyond that? So it's stepping into and, challenge. And it's evidence. It? It's That's ev- the thing. evidence. Yep. It's reference. like, so even if you get down, oh, I'm such a loser and oh, I'm such an old negative self-talk and all the rest later on, there's yeah. something in the back going, hold on. It's about, ch- there's a belief change there. Yeah. That's why, for example, uh, CBT sort of stuff, there's a lot of exposure therapy. So one of the reasons exposure therapy, gradual exposure therapy works is because people go, oh, I stood in this really busy place and I didn't explode or I didn't have yeah. a total meltdown. Yeah. Oh. Reality, belief has to shift slightly. Yes. And that's yeah. the same we're talking about, that when people do the, the fire walk, yeah. that's the purpose of it. So the people go, oh, you know what? I did that. Yeah. That was real. That happened. I managed to get through yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's something to build on, you know? Amen, man. Wow. There was a lot to this episode, you guys. I am, yeah. I am so, I, I, seriously, I feel like I'm amplified and magnified myself. And I'm sure Cam on the other end too uh, <laughs> has received a lot of value and the people listening to the show. It, this is definitely a show you probably want to listen to over and over again, because we've been talking about this for about 40, 45 minutes. And there's been a lot said about how to prepare yourself for calamity, um, how to raise the bar, raise your standard, condition yourself through various exercise, modality strategies. So you can then turn your life from a calamity to opportunity and ultimately once if you're able to do that think about it if you're able to turn every calamity into an opportunity in your life and take the stages as al said take the states take it step by step what is possible for your life mm. virtually every calamity for everyone i mean there's no exception and everything. what could happen right absolutely everything so hopefully you guys got a lot from the show al Thank you for joining us on the show. You're um, most welcome. Thank you so much for having you're, me. You're very welcome. Is there is there a place that we that the people listening to the show can can get a hold of you or look up your stuff? Yeah, and- just look me up at alanmcbride.com. That's probably the best. Uh, yeah. Yeah. As I said, you mentioned the Goliath negotiation there earlier. Yeah. yeah. Uh, wh- and it's funny one of the one of the things that I brought to the negotiation training. I mean, it's yeah. the psychological edge of negotiation is about exactly what we're talking about today is that mm. and even really good programs on negotiation often leave out that how to deal with stress when you're yeah. sitting at that table yeah. how to prepare for it and then how to deal with you know curveballs that the counterpart the other people throw at you and that's where i bring all of this stuff that we're talking about to that situation yeah and it just changes people again gets them out of the fight or flight and much more into their power, into the challenge stress response. So they're actually loving it, you know? Amazing, man. Amazing. Wow. So good. So look, look them up online. Look them up, almcbride.com, uh, giving you the psychological edge. Hopefully, you know what, Al? I'm sure the people listening to this show are listening to you going, wow, different perspective, different angles. They're going to leave this tomorrow. They're going to go, wow, I got this. I'm going to look at every every calamity in my life as, as an opportunity and how to do it. You've just basically armed everyone listening to the show, including myself. And I'm sure Cam too as well with a plethora of ideas to think about and to apply to our life and to make that extraordinary upgrade. So thank you guys for listening 
listening to the show. We'll see you again the next time to your continued upgrade and evolution. Live it up with power, purpose, and passion. We'll see you next time. God bless. Have an amazing day. Take care, guys.